0: Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, and on today's episode, we have Jared Altick back um, from the Hey Chaplin Podcast. I encourage all you guys to go over and check that out. Um, So yeah, we'll just get right into it. Uh, Great episode, had a lot of fun. So here you go, the Washdown Podcast with Jared Altick. Yeah, we already had that conversation. So, Jared, thanks for coming back.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Uh, let's move that mic a little bit closer to your face. So, remember to stay in the right at the edge of the red. You didn't so, tell him
2: that rule. Yeah. You didn't
1: reiterate. Left that one out.
0: You know what? He is a fellow podcaster, and... He's got a different set of rules.
1: I have He's, different equipment. Yeah. Different, so yeah. yeah. He means better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, sure. Microphones are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> See?
0: And I I explained to you about this equipment. He's being nice
1: to you because he's a nice
2: person. (laughs) He don't want to hurt your feelings.
0: Okay. Is is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much? Cool. Yeah. I got you.
2: (laughs) I'll tell you what, we can get better equipment when you start paying for it. (laughs) When you start giving me a salary, I'll start (laughs) helping out. I don't get a salary and I pay for all this shit. You're the owner. Take care of your employees first. (laughs) Take care of your employees (laughs) and they'll take care of your business. This is not a leadership episode, Chris. Isn't everything a
0: leadership episode? I mean, well... Yeah. In a roundabout way, yes. It's true. But that's not what we're here to talk about today.
2: Don't look at me. I just showed up. I know.
1: I'm here to answer questions. You're here to so, yeah. answer questions, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So we're going to talk about uh, at least starting out... Um. Marriage, relationships, and uh, raising kids while being in the first responder world, and some of the unique challenges that uh, come along with that. So, and I'm out as far as having anything pertinent to say about raising kids because I don't have any, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got a lot of opinions, though. <laughs> I got a lot of opinions, <laughs> and they're all wrong.
0: Hey, man, I'm just going off of what worked with me.
2: Every kid's different. Every kid is different.
0: What was that you got all upset about yesterday of everybody being a special snowflake and getting a trophy? Yeah. Stop giving everybody a fucking trophy. <laughs> earn it. If you want it, earn it. So how is that different than, than my point of view?
1: Because you're wrong. <laughs> that's just that's what it comes down to. You have you have more street cred if you've actually raised a child, and so that's because you could be correct about everything, but you have to have a you know prior experience for it to count. So I do agree with that. Yeah.
0: Well, agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you're just too close to the problem to see what the obvious solution is. If you write a
2: book about it, uh huh, then maybe somebody will listen. What
0: is that a challenge to write a book? Go for it. I don't got that kind of time.
2: Yeah, yeah, you do. I've seen your (laughs) time.
0: What's uh? So, uh,
1: you you want me to start with a disclaimer? Sure. Because even though I am, uh, you know, I've had 25 years of pastoral counseling experience, I'm not your counselor, and so so anything you hear me say, this is not, you know, sitting down with a licensed clinician one on one which many people should do uh, this is this is about the same as can't company yet right there all right <laughs> uh this is this is about the same as fatherly advice or coaching and so you know do not get your you know life you know, path from a podcast, you know, go talk to somebody professionally. What? Uh, this is, yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm trying to keep you from getting banned from all of the platforms. Right. I think that being said, I'm married, been married for 27 years. I've got five children, um, from, you know, high school up through college age. And so, so I definitely have some, some experience and, and, uh, like I said, I've been doing counseling for 25 years. Yeah. So, yeah. I think we so, should put that on the entire podcast. For every episode,
2: what a disclaimer! Yeah, I mean, because well, a lot of what we do is, I mean, is to help get—I wouldn't say information. I mean, there is a lot of good information that gets out there, mm-hmm. but a lot of it's to provoke thought. Yeah, you know, that's—I mean, that's kind of what what we're trying to do is make sure it's—you know—the mental health aspect and leadership and all that is out there, but we also want you to think about it, you know, in in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Just like with raising kids, there's a billion different ways to raise a kid. Not one is more right than the other, but...
1: Oh, there are definitely some that are more right than others, but... <laughs> there's a few. <laughs> there's a few. But, but uh, you're going to have to take those principles and apply them yeah. to each kid, because what'll stink is that you'll, you'll have... Maybe your first one's really easy. And and you're like, man, I'm good at this. I am a great parent. I am just I'm just naturally gifted at raising children. Then you'll have a second one. And all of the things that work with the first one do not necessarily apply to the second one. And, yeah, that's, and, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You'll be like, why am I losing traction with this kid? I'm doing everything the same as I did with the first one. And the first one's standing over in the corner smiling and, you know, like, can I do more chores for you, father? You know, and whatever. <laughs> but the second one is, you know, just a, a hot mess. And and it's because you have to take those principles and and change your methods of how you apply the principles. And that's that's just this constantly evolving puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the fun of being a parent is is figuring out you know okay how do i take the what was successful with one child and apply it to the next so that i can also have a successful outcome because it's it's just not the same with each kid so yeah yeah we had we had four boys in a row and thought that we had run the entire spectrum of personalities and likes and dislikes and and temperaments, we thought, boy, we've we've seen it all now. We we've 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 we know how to raise kids, as we've got these four boys. Well, our fifth child was a daughter, and she is <laughs> off of the chart on some far <laughs> other spectrum, somewhere else, away from where those four boys were. And so that's been almost like starting over, uh, as far as our. My wife and I are our tactics, our strategies. You know, what what are we going to do, and what do we, how do we help this kid not be totally messed up as a preacher's kid? You know, uh, that that's there's there's a lot of overlap between ministry and first responders, and and the type of the way that we are are serving our communities, but also just a little bit set apart from the community, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty easy to, you know, especially like for cops to be excluded because people don't want to just hang out with a cop. You know, uh, they, they feel like if they hang out, you know, with a, with a paramedic that, you know, well, I should be asking about medical advice and whatever all the time. <laughs> and and it, it's just, it's off, it's off, there's a distance there. Well, same thing with a, with a minister at a church we have friends, but boy, it's hard to maintain that. And it's hard to maintain that for our children and for them to feel like they're just a normal part of the community of the neighborhood. And so, and so it, it's a, it's a real challenge. And so I, i always sympathize with first responders because I've, my family's kind of gone through a very similar dynamic.
0: So yeah. leaving like, so, and that was one thing that I was kind of And I will say this,
1: like the way that I was
0: raised, like my dad worked in the oil field. Mm. So he was gone for two weeks at a time, a month at a time, you know, just depending on wherever he worked in the world. So I was used to, I'm not going to say that lifestyle, the first responder lifestyle, but I was used to him being gone and then home and then gone and then home, which is like, how did you guys and you, Chris, especially navigate that whenever your kid was younger of you know missing sporting events and like missing that kind of stuff like how did you communicate that to him to make sure that
2: i'll be honest when he was a kid i didn't really miss any sporting events but i took there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on that he didn't know about you know finding someone to work for me for those few hours so i could go on go and be a part of it right that way i didn't didn't miss those things and when he was Old enough, like holidays, he'd go, you know, I'd have Christmas Day one year or three days after Christmas because he was with his mom. So I'd, it was kind of a different experience for us because he was so used to having two households because he was one whenever we split. So it yeah. kinda, he kind of grew up that way. So it wasn't abnormal yeah. for him. His normal was different than the traditional normal.
1: Yeah, Makes and sense. and yeah. I I would not encourage anybody to get fixated on what normal is. First of all, our assessment of normal, what we think is normal for the people around us, is probably not very accurate. Secondly, uh, it's not normalcy that produces healthy kids. I mean, there's a lot of normal homes that produced pretty messed up children. Uh, what you want is stability. You want security. And so, yes, like for me. A lot of weekend activities other kids could participate in. Well, guess what? I work every Sunday, and so that's not so simple for me to go do that. And I mean, we'd miss not just like sporting events or whatever, but we'd miss like like you know family reunions. Like, hey, we're gonna have a family reunion three hours away at noon on Sunday. I can't do that. I'm working, and so you know maybe I need to you know talk to my you know maybe we need to unionize or whatever because I work every (laughs) Sunday, Christmas, Easter. I mean, it's really bad. But but that affected my children. Right? And so and so I can't be normal in that sense, and every first responder's got that, where you're working shift work and, mm-hmm. and you cannot be normal, whatever that is, but you can still provide security and consistency and stability, and and that's going to be unique to your family. So your schedule. Yeah,
2: I look at norm when people say normal when it comes to schedules as your traditional schedule. Your Monday through Friday, nine to five right. work schedule. Right. You're off at night. You're off on weekends.
1: Yeah, which that, would be ideal for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But when you when you throw in the shift worker or, or, or ministry and all that, your your normal becomes everybody else's abnormal. So you're looking at them mm-hmm. in a weird way. You're like, oh, you guys did. I did Christmas two days ago. Yeah, and you guys haven't done it yet. You know, like we would, even as a kid, we'd go, we'd come back here because we lived in Illinois for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so we'd be doing Christmas two weeks before everybody else yeah. at home. Yeah. But that became our normal. Right. Because we're coming to see family on those holidays.
1: And if you could, if, if as a child you could expect it and count on it, then it was stable and yeah. consistent. And that's that's what we and were looking that, for. that was good for you. Even if it wasn't technically on December 25th, if you knew that, well, every December 13th, we're going to have Christmas in Kansas City, that's okay. That's okay. And I feel like there's some first responders need to stop beating themselves up because they can't live the 9 to 5 Monday through Friday uh, through most of their career. Well. Okay, but that doesn't mean that your kids will be wounded by that. They'll be wounded by, by insecurity and, mm-hmm. and, and inconsistency. And so if you can find a consistent that's right for your family, that will provide a better environment for your kids than, than trying to, you know, force the Monday through Friday thing or whatever. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So. It's like even even when Ben was younger,
2: and even even today, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, 4th of July all those things are done around my schedule Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they know if either I'm going to work the day because I'm scheduled or I'm going to try to pick up overtime. Yeah. So we we pick a day to where everybody's off, everybody can be together. Yeah. But but isn't that,
1: isn't that what all of the normal families did? They worked Monday through Friday nine to five and therefore all the events worked around that. Yeah, And so, and so granted they're in the majority, so they have the advantage, but, but every family is going to have to accommodate the schedule of the people who are paying the bills. And, and so we're going to have to, you know, navigate that and sort that out. And, and like I said, the matching what the neighbor's schedule is, is not the key to having your kids have a healthy and, and safe yeah. childhood. So, yeah. Just making sure you're consistently there for them.
2: In my opinion. Like I said, I, I would find people to work for me. That way I could be at the, at the games. Yeah. Yeah. But,
0: and it was, it was tough. Or you had your friend coach the
2: game instead. Or that. Or that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I couldn't find anybody this time. I can't get the day off. Yeah. You know, or that I yeah. can't get the couple hours off. Yeah. But, you know, and, and having <laughs> that conversation with him before, mm-hmm. that, I think that really helped. Like, you know, you see my schedule as he got, of course, as, as he got older. Right. You know. You see how what my schedule is when I'm home, when I'm not, and this was before we had overtime the way we have it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, whenever he was young,
2: overtime was a rarity. Yeah, I worked a second job, right? So, but then even then, that was you know, a Monday through Friday when I was off from the station.
1: So, so, so is your overtime <laughs> at your current place? Uh, is that like a full shift of overtime? Is it just an extra so many hours so tacked it, on to it, what you're doing? It depends on
2: how you want to work so we have full shifts of 24 hours mm-hmm. or you could pick up a partial which is okay. 12 hours it just depends on what's available
1: okay you know, if you want so to either potentially yeah.
2: i okay. mean i always go for the 24s okay because i'd rather work a full shift but i don't mind working a, a 12-hour shift if that's all that there is
1: and you work every third day typically yeah, yeah okay. once every third okay so you'd have 48 on if you worked overtime yeah okay and normally you
2: do more than two days
1: <laughs> like 8 days in a row. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's don't don't that's not normal.
2: See, but that's
1: where <laughs> that's where overtime can hurt a family cuz you cuz usually the equation, the calculation in our minds is well more money equals solving more problems. But when you're working overtime and you're interrupting whatever your schedule, your family schedule was, now you're risking the child, not especially a younger child, not knowing, well, when am I going to see Mom or Dad again? when when are we going to get to do our normal routine? And you keep throwing a wrench into the gears of the normal routine, That has a bigger impact than what the schedule, I mean, really, if you had some weird, you know, you worked some night shift at a hospital or something like that, you could move your whole family over to being, you know, in the, you know, being up in the middle of the night and sleeping during the day. Mm-hmm. As, as long as everyone knew, that's what we expected. It, they, I mean, come on, if you're living way up in, you know, Nome, Alaska and it's daylight during the summer for like 20 hours, it, you, you can have weird schedules as long as it's consistent. And so, that valuing consistency over matching what everybody else is doing is one of those little life hacks that help you as a parent, help you as a as a member of the family, you know, ha- have some stability and 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 have good results. Mm-hmm. And not that it guarantees anything, but let's let's reduce the number of complications and let's reduce the insecurity in our children by by just knowing what they can expect. And so, over is not always bad; it's just. That's one of the negatives to it. You get more money, it's positive. You throw the expectations out the window for your kids. That'd be the negative.
0: But well, that also goes for your spouse or significant other as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. yeah, You know, it's so like the the recent eight day stretch that I did.
2: My wife knew. Like we we had talked about this way prior to me doing it. Yeah. Like this is a possibility. Mm-hmm. This is what it would mean. And she, I mean, she came to the station twice in those. Yeah eight days yeah. one was to, to bring me stuff because I ran out of clothes <laughs> and, and I was like I don't have a lot of I need some stuff here <laughs> Yeah, I ran out of ran out of cash that because we pull cash out every two weeks for our cook shack mm-hmm. that way I just take that I was like I need more money yeah you know and it was just and it was an excuse for to you know to spend a little time together yes but even when my son was younger he, he's 21 now so mm-hmm. he, he does his own thing yeah but even when he was younger if I was working you know two days in a row or or whatever it was they would come to the station and visit, and we'd hang out for a while and stuff like that. So he still, we still got to see each other. We just had to modify what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we knew we had something going on, like he had, he had a, a game or an event or whatever, I made sure I didn't work that day. Right. right. That way, I was always, I was there for the, the important things. Yeah. And but we were always extremely open with and did, did a good job of communicating with him mm-hmm. about what was going on and why. I mean, did it suck? Oh yeah, it sucked for everybody involved.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, but, I mean, the ideal the would time, be
1: let's be independently wealthy and never have to work and just spend yeah. all of our time with our kids. <laughs> nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that that's ideal, but not very many people yeah. can actually do that. But then so. that just
2: and that creates you, problems too. Well, to usually the kids
0: turn <laughs> out terrible whenever. That's, that's true. The yeah. That's
1: true. Yeah. So yeah. So when he was
2: he was even at a young age he was pretty uh, self reliant. Yeah. I mean, he kind of did his own thing and. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we just tried to help guide them as best we could. Yeah,
1: and some of that's uh, personality, um, and some of that, I mean, like our kids, we, you know, we, we, we're weird from top to bottom. We homeschooled our kids, and so our kids are all self starters. They, they're very independent. They can, they have a lot of life skills that their peers don't really have yet, uh, because we expect them to to be able to contribute to the family and do, do all the different things they need to do. And, and we don't hold their hand. We, you know, part of, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but we, we insist that they be able to function and, and live life out there with real life skills. And so they do their academic work, but we also expect them to, to keep up the house and that kind of thing. And so, and so that, and why was I even talking about this?
0: giving them responsibility
1: yeah um, so, so oh you were talking about your kid being independent yeah uh, you can train a, a child to be independent and and encourage that in them uh, Good parenting is not automatically well my kid needs me forever there's a lot of very dysfunctional people who mm-hmm. have you know the child has reached adulthood and is well into adulthood and still desperately needs mom and dad to fix everything for them and and that's not healthy that and so and so there you created almost a codependency kind of a a unhealthy need for mom and dad to take care of you and man we need we need to you know encourage children to be able to leave home and be independent and, and that starts it doesn't start at 18. you don't take care of their every need for 18 years and then and then kick them out the door I mean I mean yeah. that's it's almost cruel and so and so this independence that your child had maybe for personality maybe partly for how you raised them you know th- that that is a good trait to have uh, as long as it's healthy you know and and it's something you can encourage in kids mm-hmm. and I don't think that's happening very often because parents feel guilty for not being there. And so what they do is they create this unhealthy dependency. And and so, so I feel bad for not being there. But part of how I salve that hurt in my heart is I'm going to make you need me all the time. And so I don't want you to truly be independent. I don't want you to truly be successful in life. I need you to always kind of need me. And maybe you can move back home and I can <laughs> take care of you forever. That's... Horrible. So he, he, he knows yeah. the door is open.
2: If if it's, you know, I moved back here with my parents. My little brother did. Mm-hmm. Things happen in life. Sure, like, sure. If you guys, if you need to come back home, and, and like him, it's him and his girlfriend. They live, they've been together since they were sixteen, mm-hmm. and they live together. And our door's open to both of them. Mm-hmm. If you got if something happens, you guys need to come back home. Come on, we'll we'll move things around. We'll sure we'll make it work. Sure, and then we'll and they can pay rent and they'll pay yeah. rent. They will. <laughs> yeah, I did. my, yeah. my brother did. Yeah. You know, my mom did when she was that age and all yeah. that, but <clears throat> it's, it's and then, okay, now how do we, how do we show you, or how do we teach you to fix your problems the way that you can go back out and be on your own again and not have these issues? Because mm-hmm. he started learning how to do laundry about 15. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife was like, yeah, I'm done cleaning your shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to, you're <laughs> yeah. going to learn. Yeah. And it, you know, he, he learned how to cook some meals and yeah, cleaning, cleaning has been the, the hard part.
0: So basically what you're saying is. He's more independent than you are. Well, that's why I married her. her <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm going to have to tell him that next so time I see we, him. <laughs> I, I,
2: my, my wife and I are probably more traditional mm-hmm. in our roles than what what it is today, compared and especially compared to him and his girlfriend.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's just it's just how we are compared to right how he is. But it, but it, it works for him, yeah. right? and that's the important thing. Yeah. Now you said you homeschooled your kids. <clears throat> it's kind of a don't don't take offense to the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not talking there, down there's on no question you're going to come up with <laughs> so, that I haven't heard. Yeah. So I, I I've I've seen people I, like our neighbors growing up, their kids were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. You know, academically they were great. Socially with other people outside the church, they were extremely awkward. Mm-hmm. How do you co- combat combat that?
1: Okay, usually the question comes in the form of, what, you homeschool your kids? How are they going to be socialized? Um, yeah, no we're going to square yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 um, the principle that you're looking at is that weird parents make weird kids. Okay? And so there are weird kids in public schools. There's weird kids in private schools. There's weird kids in yes. homeschool. And especially back in the day when homeschooling was a little more rare – um, and was a little bit more, you know, there was more pressure on the parent to actually be the teacher. I mean, my kids, they sit in front of a screen and they belong to academy that the teacher is three states away, and and they're interacting with another adult all day. Uh, they're in my home, but but I'm not sitting there with flashcards teaching them. And so, so homeschooling has evolved quite a bit. But back in the day when it was a parent was just going to teach their kid around the kitchen table, and that was the entirety of the whole program, the whole curriculum, those those families self-selected, and a lot of them were kind of antisocial to start with, and so if the parents are antisocial, your kids are going to be antisocial, and and like I said, putting the kids in a public school or private school doesn't stop them from having problems or being weird. There's you can go to any public school and find. You know, yeah, bunches no, of weird fu- fully kids. Fully agree with that, right? And so, and so, the form of schooling, I think, more than ever, has less impact on on how well socialized or how socially well adjusted the child is. Uh, the home life has always been the primary factor. Uh, homeschooling happens at the same venue as the home life, so people assume well, it was the homeschooling that made them weird. No, it wasn't. Those kids could have been put into any form of schooling. They still would have come back to that home with those parents, and they probably still would have been just as socially awkward as as what you see. Uh, it just there wouldn't have been that obvious correlation of they mm-hmm. they the homeschool where they live. Oh, you know that must it must be homeschooling. Homeschooling deserved its bad reputation. In the '80s and '90s, and and way back in the day, uh, now it's evolved. Especially since COVID, so many people found out they could do schooling online, and and some models failed horrifically, but but other models actually have succeeded. And people are like, well, why would I send my kid back to that big building? They're doing way better academically here. They're they're yeah. you know they interact more. They especially if you're involved in clubs and sports and church and other stuff, they're getting plenty of of opportunity to interact with their peers. You know, frankly, their peers are part of the problem for how kids act because uh, they learn really bad behavior and really bad information from their peers. Children interacting with adults is is probably a healthier model. Back, you know, centuries ago, your 12-year-old would have probably stopped his formal book-learning type schooling and would have become an apprentice to an adult. And that adult then would have, have mentored and apprenticed them and, and they would have learned how to be an adult from an adult, not from their peers. And yeah. so part of our ever-increasing ceiling on adolescence, because you used to be an adolescent, you know, boy, time you're 14 or 16, you better be able to work on the farm. You know, well, then it was 18. Then it was 21. Now it's like 25 or 26 and and it just keeps going up and up and up that we try to extend our childhood and we try to delay the the onset of adult responsibilities, and so and so that is coming in part, you know, and I would say mostly from the family, from the parents, uh, not from the form of schooling. I wouldn't blame public schools. I wouldn't blame private schools, I wouldn't blame homeschooling. Uh, I think it's coming mostly from, from the parents and we have generations of dysfunctional parents who are handling, handing down that dysfunction. And so that's, that's the, the bigger concern and, and changing the mode of schooling or, or, you know, what the responsibility of the teachers are at the public school, man, that is, that's putting lipstick on a pig, it, it, is, it is really not solving the problem of the broken families and the dysfunction that's happening there generation after generation. Uh,
0: yeah, there's a lot of studies about the nuclear family and how important it is and yeah. the indicators of, you know, what the child would,
1: can potentially yeah. grow up to be. Yeah, Fa- fatherlessness is a bigger factor than any form of school could ever hope to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you will have Healthy and unhealthy kids in every type of schooling, but and you don't necessarily see a correlation there. But take a father out of the home and, or take a father really not just out of the home but out of the child's life, there you start introducing all those insecurities and, and inconsistencies. And, 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 boy, you want to see everything from their health to their interaction with law enforcement to their ability to be employed. Uh, I mean, it just – everything just drops off a cliff. When you take a father out of the life of a child, so so that do, do you think you see the difficult. same thing
2: if you took a mother out on the other side? No, the studies say no.
1: Yeah, uh, in fact, it's it's shocking because we're we're a very egalitarian society. We would like to say that there's no difference between a man and a woman; they're exactly the same. There's they're, they're equal. We can just split it right down the middle. It's just not true. It, there there are, are advantages when a child is is developing and being raised that a mom can only do some of the things that a child needs at certain stages and and i don't don't just mean biologically but i mean relationally and and emotionally and then at, there's other things that only a father can do and and I, like I said, we're very egalitarian. we like say, "Oh no, no, it's fine. You can have you can you raise this child with a village, or you can have mm-hmm. you know uh, two moms or two dads, or 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 uh, you know five grandparents, or, <laughs> or 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 whatever." And 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 you can make any situation work because sometimes you find yourself in a family situation that you don't really. It's not ideal, but you're you're you play the hand you're dealt, and so and so you can make it work in whatever situation you have. But ideally, the, the the statistics, the statistics don't lie. It is extremely advantageous to have a mom and a dad with their own unique contributions to a child and have that in their life consistently. Man, that that just produces better outcomes across cultures, across generations. You can look back 100 years ago, you can look now. It's it, our politically correct sensibilities would like to say that's just not true, and you can any combination is just as good as any other combination or lack of combination. But it's really not, you know uh, that that's just that's just not what the data shows.
0: No. I watched. Yeah. Uh, there was a woman giving a talk about that and about the likelihood of individuals whenever they grow up going to jail, and yeah. the. The actually the lowest likelihood of them ending up in that kind of situation was a single father. Yeah. If it was a single mother, they had like way better chance of yeah, ending up in Yeah, that was probably the worst. Yeah, that yeah. was the worst. Yeah. And then you know the in and out thing like you were talking about, yeah. but yeah, raising a sing raised by a single father was like the lowest. Yeah. And Other that, than the there, nuclear family. A,
1: similar, a very similar study happened years ago where they looked at children and what family dynamic they came from and whether or not they went to church. Mm-hmm. And so if mom and dad both went to church, if mom and dad neither one went to church, if mom went to church by herself, or if dad went to church by himself, what was the result 25, 30, 40 years later with the kids? How many of them went to church? The group that went to church at the highest rate were the ones where dad went by himself, even higher than mom and dad both going. Really? Yeah. But for some reason, there are certain things in our life that we get from our fathers. And if dad didn't go to church, the number, it didn't matter if mom went or not. If mom went by herself, that had almost no impact. If dad didn't go to church, the kids mostly didn't go to church. If dad did go to church, most of them found themselves going to church as adults. And, and, and it's like, boy, that's not fair because typically in church what you see are a lot of moms who the husband's working, the husband's not interested, the husband's not religious, and she's bringing the kids by herself. But about junior high age, those kids drop out of church because dad's not there. And so the dad has some outsized influence. And that's not, like I said, It's not to denigrate women. It's not to say that moms are important. There are moms in my family history where the, the mom took the kids to church, and that made all the difference for our family. But, but just if you take the whole population and look yeah. at large numbers, it's the dad that influences those kinds of decisions. So, yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably one of the big concerns that – a lot of us as first responders have about having children and being Mm -hmm. gone a lot. Yeah. You know, because even though, you know, we are there, you know, especially whenever you start talking about mental health struggles and PTSD, I mean, you're there, but you're not really there. And what effect does that have on the children and on the relationship? And I mean, you can go down a, a pretty big rabbit hole with concerns on that.
1: Yeah, obviously absenteeism is a problem. So if you're in a divorce situation, and your child doesn't live with you. You're gone from your kid's life for um, for hours and days at a time. I mean, I'm, I'm immediately I'm thinking of exceptions where you can FaceTime your kid and you can talk to them on the phone and, and and interact with them you know a thousand different ways. But you're not in their home every night. Um, there they don't lay in bed knowing that you're just two rooms away. And so, so that develops a problem, a, a hurdle that you have to overcome. It's doable. I know lots of first responders who they did not live in the same home as their child while their child was being raised, but they still have a good relationship with their child. They still were able to make significant contributions and affect you know good outcomes for their kids. It's not a lost cause, but it is a legitimate hurdle. And yeah. saying that it's not is not helping you. You should th- be thinking, you know what? I have certain advantages in my life that I don't have to worry about. And I have certain disadvantages that I do need to worry about. And so I'm going to take correct inventory of, of what I have and what I don't have. And me not living with my kid is one of them that, that I'm going to have to give special attention to. I'm going to have to work a little harder than some other dads so that I can give my kid what that my kid needs. Well, right.
0: that, That's all about us setting our priorities. Right. What, what's the most important thing to you? Is it the job or is it the family?
1: But the job is important. I'm not saying that, Cause but because you, you are providing for them, yeah. and that role is important to you psychologically and to mm-hmm. your children that that you are paying for things, that you are providing things. That's not a small contribution. We had a you know historically, but I'm going to get you demonetized and <laughs> deplatformed ten different ways. I'm all, I'm thinking this is a third or fourth controversial thing. Mm-hmm. When when we reorganized our welfare in the in the United States in the nineteen sixties, uh, we incentivized women to get a bigger check from the government if the father was not living in the home with them, mm-hmm. and so it incentivized single motherhood, and and that money came in and and paid bills just like if a dad was paying the bills. That was the hope, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the the. Uh, the end say, of the unintended, unintended consequences. consequences? Yes, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so and so, we did great damage to our society, and not just s- certain sections of our society. I think African-American society probably took it the worst. Yes. Uh, just statistically speaking, they suffered the most from mm-hmm. those decisions, which was a whole lot of people with good intentions trying to help.
0: Yeah, because actually in the 1940s, they had a higher percentage of nuclear families yes. than white oh, people did.
1: Welfare destroyed the African-American family in mm-hmm. the United States uh, did t- terrible damage to them as a group. So so that has now spread into every other demographic, mm-hmm. and and we're seeing the number of children born outside of wedlock and and all of the things associated with that. I mean, primarily, we're concerned with fatherlessness, but, but we're seeing all of those things increase as the government stepped in to pay the bills. It's so it's not just that you need money. And it's not just as the provider that you're providing your paycheck to pay for things. That's important. But it's also the role that you play. Who is providing that money? Are they, are they someone we know? Are they close to us? Are they distant and far away? And, and that matters to the provider and to the people being provided for, the children. And so And so you being a part of their life and providing for them that, that does that is a significant thing for you psychologically and for them psychologically for you to be in that role of provider. And so so it's it's not a small thing, but providing almost always means you have to be away from them. Uh, you have to go out to the fields to work. Yeah. And and it's very seldom that you can work with your kids alongside your children. It's not very many jobs that do that. Certainly not first responders. So so you have to be able to to leave and balance the leaving with the providing that's good and necessary. You have to balance those two things and that's that's you're always gonna feel like, Man, I either am not providing enough or I'm not there enough. And you always have that tension. But that's okay. We're adults we can handle tension. We can we can take that and we can we can navigate that and we can make course adjustments and we can get input from from our family and from our peers and from our mentors and we can we can we can handle tension. But but that is a legitimate concern, you know, am I balancing that well?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think the danger is most of us tend to balance it too much on the side of providing. Yeah. And yeah. not presence
1: yeah it's easy because yeah. uh as men especially and i'm i know female first responders deal with this too but 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 men are here's newsflash and something very controversial again men and women are different nope that's a shock 2023 I can't yeah. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> certain <laughs> platform just uh yep, nope no i'm, I'm out with, to destroy with, your podcast yeah <laughs>
0: We're not even competition for you, man. We're different. <laughs> we don't talk about the same stuff.
1: So uh, the, we'll just
0: put it up on Spotify. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the um, men and women are different, and what they need is different, and what they provide to the family is different. Uh, what the family needs from them is different. And uh, our relationship to our jobs is is different than what a woman's relationship to her job is uh it's not that both can't do the job it's fine i have no problem with with um, you know my wife works outside the home uh i've got no objection to to anything like that but but it would be foolish to think that men think about their job the way that women think about their job it's just not the same and so the average guy is going to compartmentalize a lot more. Uh, You go back to the, uh, there was a book years ago that used a great model, in fact it was the title of the book, that men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. And men are compartmentalized. You put syrup in one quadrant, you know, one one section of the waffle. It's not in the other sections. And that makes us really good in a situation, uh, you know, like what you guys do. You go into a burning building. You know what? You just need to be thinking about the one square of the waffle that is on fire. And you do not need to be thinking about everything else. Where the analogy, men are like the waffles, but women are like spaghetti. That noodle, you have no idea which noodle's connected to what other noodles. It just disappears into the mess, and they're maybe maybe they're all connected. And, and that's a disadvantage in an emergency situation, that you might be thinking of everything all at once. It's an advantage in relationships. And so women are almost always more tuned in than men are to relationships and and how are things connected. A lot of times we're scratching our heads like, why do you care about our neighbors, kids, soccer game? What does that have to do with, with your mother? I don't get it. Well, she sees that. <laughs> she knows what the connection is, and she knows the layers and degrees and nuances of it. And so she's more tuned in because that's the way her brain chemistry is, you know, it's the way, the way her brain's wired. And so so she's more adept at that, which means she's also more adept at reading the needs and desires of your children. So a lot of guys go off to work, and we're comfortable being in that square, and it's all compartmentalized, and we get it. and And we don't have to to go into an area we're not comfortable, and men notoriously were, were horrible at, at shying away from things we're not good at. We play the sport we're good at. We don't go try the sport we're terrible at. We don't want to go do things we're terrible at. Same thing. We're not as tuned in as our wife is to the needs of our kids and to their emotions and how those are all connected. And so we tend to shy away from it. That's not right. But we do because we're afraid of getting into something we're not good at. So, so we need to, to you know, force ourselves to learn from our wives and to be coached and to be teachable. Uh, and, and she may be tuned into something we're just not tuned into. But that's the reason why we would rather just go provide. We'll go work overtime and we'll, we'll go be distant and maybe a little too much. Because we're kind of protecting ourselves emotionally. Because if I go home, I'm going to be the one that's out of the loop, and I don't know the in-jokes, and everyone's talking about some activity or some relationship that I'm not aware of because I was gone at work. And now I feel like an outsider, and that makes me uncomfortable, and I don't like that. So I'm just going to go back to work. So, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I'll, not, I'll, not I'll just wrong. make the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, like I said, it's one of those big fears. And especially yeah. whenever you start ta- stacking on all the trauma and everything else that we see and trying not to, because that will get into your head of, I don't need to bring that home. And mm-hmm. then, so I'm going to distance myself because of that. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, it ends up, yeah, you're there, but not there. And then you're not there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and we also, I think as men, we're a little bit more inclined to play the martyr and and we'll just go sacrifice ourselves on the altar of providing for the family and and hope you know i think secretly we hope someone will notice our sacrifice <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and and you know when when i'm when i've jumped in front of the bus to save everybody you know they'll miss me when i'm gone and and we we get kind of melodramatic like that sometimes but we're not good at communicating because all the spaghetti noodles aren't you know something we're consciously aware of we we don't communicate our feelings well we don't We're not naturally comfortable. We have to train ourselves to talk about our emotions, and that doesn't come natural to us. Like I said earlier, I got four sons, one daughter. I had never had to encourage my daughter to talk more. (laughs) <laughs> uh she, boy she came out of the womb ready to explore everyone else's feelings and talk to everyone and and share all of her experiences and download that uh there's times I'll get home and I'll I'll, I'll work a 12 hour day and I'll come home and I'm exhausted and we have 45 minutes my wife and I to watch you know, some Star Wars TV show or something. And and we don't get to watch it because my daughter, bless her heart, she walks in, she's 14, she walks in and she downloads her entire day and we spend 45 minutes listening to her talk. <laughs> my sons don't do that. You know, now now they're different. And I've tried to teach them to and talk to, to talk and to engage and to 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 do that kind of stuff. And so some of them probably would now that they're in their twenties. But I didn't have to train my daughter to do that. She yeah. just knows to connect and to perceive and well, she doesn't perceive that I want to watch star wars uh, <laughs> she, she 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 but she does perceive a lot of other things, and she kind of will take the temperature of all of the siblings and know how everybody's doing and 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 want to share that and and do the full debrief you know and and bless her heart i she just does does that naturally
0: yeah yeah that's the I think that's the difference between. One of the differences, I think that difference is getting blurred though a little bit because sure. I've noticed that with, and I'm sure you have too, with some of the newer people coming in mm-hmm. to the fire service of the yep. male or female, not shy about sharing their feelings, yep. and I think that's a yep. probably a generational thing of how they were raised yes. or whatever, yep, but. Yeah, and I mean, we're diff-
1: we're different sexes. We're not different species. Yeah, and so and so, if you feel like, man, I'm just not comfortable with this, and I was raised, you know, by a wildcatter that that didn't teach me to share my feelings or something, you can still learn, you yeah. know, and and that's what happens is a lot of us do learn as we go. Things that we were not good at when we were 25, we become much better at when we're older, and some generations are going to to flip the script. And they're going to have things that they were trained to do from childhood because of school or parenting or whatever, but but then they're going to have to learn different skills. Uh, they're going to have to you know to learn to navigate human relationships, you know, probably in a different order than how we learned it. Yeah. But but they can still learn. Yeah. You know, it's not that people well, aren't teachable.
0: That that's part of being human, though, because if you stop learning. You yeah. die. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You should always be learning, it, yeah. wanting to grow and to learn and all that stuff. But that's going to force you as a man to go into territory you're not comfortable with. And that's difficult. That's, there's a lot of guys that are not afraid to face a uh, bad guy with a gun. They're not afraid to face a fire. They are afraid to get into a topic they're not familiar with. Let's, so, not, talk,
0: let's not talk about feelings. Yeah. Right. That's No. <laughs> Yes. Are we going to charge that machine gun nest? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Let's do that instead. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. Sure. Uh, Do I'm sure doesn't apply to you guys, but you individually, but your coworkers, do they have a lot of crazy exes?
0: Uh, (laughs) That seems to be the norm. (laughs) I got a few. Yeah. (laughs) It. uh, Yeah. And I don't know. That's part of the cult. That's one of those cultural things. Yeah. You know, I have a theory. I have a
1: theory about, about the the crazy exes. Uh,
0: Damaged people find damaged people. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. Well, I
1: think, I mean, well, mercy. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is kind of the stereotype that you have like a domestic violence call and this woman has, you know, three crying babies from three different dads. And and sh- the current boyfriend gave her a black eye, and so he's handcuffed in the back of the cruiser. And the paramedics and the firefighters and the police are not leaving the scene too quickly because guess what? She's also kind of hot, and <laughs> and so and so they're like, you know, you know, how you doing? And, and, and that, it's like you've got I mean, what, every cop needs a buddy to tell them, you know, dude, domestic violence victim, leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I, that's no, I can't say that. I've ever seen that situation. So. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's
1: true to life. Uh, uh, yeah, be- because and, and that bad decision making, I think, comes from a lack of aversion to risk. You take you take take these self selected group of mostly young men. Who are you? They've embraced the idea of running into a burning building, being elbow deep in blood and gore to save someone's life, you know, to go chase down a bad guy and wrestle him to the ground and take him to jail. They are not scared of high risk situations. And they take that and apply that to relationships. And mm-hmm. every alarm bell in the world could be going off say, this girl is never going to make a good long term partner. But, but they're like, yeah, but. You know, I can, I can, you know, can ride the it. lightning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fix it. Yeah, yeah,
0: because yeah. I'm the fixer. I got this. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's that aversion to risk, and it gets applied to every aspect of mm-hmm. your life, right? Yeah. And then you go through all of those situations, and I think, I would like to think that most of us we get to a point in our life where you have an epiphany, yeah. or you know, something happens where you're like, okay. I can't live this way anymore. Mm-hmm. These decisions that I've been making are not sustainable for the long term. Yeah. But you see it with, you know, you talk to people that have been on for a year, two, three, four or five years. They're not thinking about retirement. No. no. And what's going to happen, like even with their, you know, their physical fitness and things like that is like, oh, well, you know, this or whatever. But you start seeing people around that 10, 15, 20 year mark. And it happens different time for everybody. They're like, oh, I need to be in shape. Mm -hmm. And that would help because whenever I retire, I don't want to be one of those guys who dies in five years because I'm in such horrible health. Right. You know, or, you know, I'm going to stop dating the crazy nurse or the crazy teacher or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, and I'm going to find somebody who is actually like stable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but that's why I think that's why you see a lot of second marriages among first responders work mm-hmm. out a lot better is because they do go through that epiphany, they do go through that that learning curve of basically learning the hard way. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I did not take into account the risk factors because I thought I could handle every danger and I would always come out on top. Well, I didn't come out on top in this relationship. This yeah. this was a disaster and this was ugly and I didn't like it and I'm not gonna do that again. Yeah. And so and so there is a change there, but that change is pr- happening primarily inside that first responder. I, I don't know that the all of the first wives were as crazy as everyone claims they were.
0: Oh probably uh, not. And I
1: don't know that the second wife is always as a group. if they're always less crazy. I think that both are more mature, and so, and so it's not that your picking necessarily got better. There, there is a percentage. There is a percentage where the first responders picked terribly. It was always a mistake. It was never going to work. But a lot of those first crazy wives probably could have worked out if there was more maturity and more careful, deliberate decision-making in the relationship. Yeah. Now, I, I see a lot of, of second spouses to a first responder that I can't tell the from the outside. I can't tell the difference between them and the first wife. But – Their commitment levels dramatically different.
0: Well, and I think part of that is a lot of times you see someone who is already married and then they become a first responder. Mm -hmm. So that first wife didn't meet firefighter Chris. Yeah. They met Chris that works at Citibank or, you know, wherever.
1: Right. And then they got bait and switched. Yeah. Because now this guy's Mm -hmm. going to run into danger every day I don't know if he's going to come home alive. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: he's gonna be gone yeah. for twenty four hours or forty-eight hours and then oh well we're supposed to have dinner with my parents. Well I can't. That's my shift day. You knew that. Why'd you schedule yeah.
1: that? Yeah. I, I don't have the stats at my fingertips, but I but I know that is true. I've seen it written down before. The difference in divorce rates between people who marry someone who is already a first responder mm-hmm. versus marrying someone who is not yet. The yeah. not yet go through that bait and switch trial yeah. and and it's it's traumatic. And, and a lot of them, a lot of the spouses are like, I didn't sign on for this. And so you, you want to do this job now. That's not the person I married. I'm out. Yeah. And that that happens.
0: Another factor in that equation can also be the individual themselves, the first responder of how deeply do you go into that culture? Mm -hmm. You know, are you, you're the person who wears your fire department gear, police department gear everywhere you go. And all you hang out with now, all your old friends are gone and we only hang out with you know, other first responder families and, you know, we're doing, you know, that's
1: it and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that has a factor to play in it as well.
1: Yeah. 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 A lot of, a lot of first responders, they, they get into the comfortable compartments they're in mm-hmm. and they don't want to go back to the other because the other groups, the other social groups, they get ostracized. Uh, like I said, cops and ministers, we, we definitely do. Nobody invites a minister on a float <laughs> trip. It just does not happen. Okay. Yeah, you can't have fun yeah. now. Yeah. You're, being, you're being judged. Yes. Yeah. And the boys yeah. got a direct line to God. Yeah. Can't hide nothing. Yep. Yep. And so it's like having a spy in the camp and so so they don't want to do anything around, around a cop or or a, you know or a minister. Uh, but you know but what? a lot of first responders have similar yeah, experience.
0: You keep your enemies close. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Kind, of, kind of hard
2: to use a beer bong in front of a minister, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got that judge, judge and I over there while he's cooking burgers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so being, you know, serving a population but not being included in them is difficult. Um, and, and some of those things first responders do to themselves, like wearing uniforms, uh, having a paramilitary. You know, rank structure and that kind of stuff. We that that's self inflicted, and it's done on purpose for good reasons. It's it's to build up the tribal identity. It's like, hey, this is us. We all wear the same uniform. We all belong together. Um, but that also separates you from the population you serve, and it hurts your your wife and your kids because now they're a little bit separated from everybody else. And and like I said, cops particularly, I feel like they. They really, especially right now, where the population so been so negative on them for the last four or five years, um, it, it's 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 difficult to be in a job that ostracizes you, that that excludes you, that that keeps you at arm's length. Uh, that that's hard to then love that community when they you don't feel like they love you back. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think it's making a making an about face though. I've seen that recently. Something? Yeah. Yeah. Just there's been certain municipalities who have, you know, were leading the charge on the defund the police. And yeah, now they're, they're, they're like, oh, that yeah. was a horrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, why, why, why did we do that? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, I, you know, it's, it's that thing of just like, you know, police, firemen, teachers, garbage men, you know, those are the people that is like, okay, if we don't show up to work, Shit yeah doesn't so, get society done. falls apart yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so it, it's it's absolutely necessary work uh but you know we've never had you know just generationally speaking we've probably never had a lower uh sense of 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 civic responsibility like like our kids don't join the military mm-hmm. or 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 volunteer for for jobs like firefighter at the rate that they used to. No. Um. And the desire to do that, they rather, they want to be famous on TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't they don't think that that well. I'm just going to go help and keep people safe and contribute to society not falling apart. Uh, that that's that's something that we you know we need a time machine to go back and fix properly. And so since we don't have a time <laughs> machine, we're going to have to muddle through we've done damage to ourselves. We've raised a whole generation that has low civic responsibility. How do we navigate that over the next couple of generations? And that's that's going to be tough.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where hopefully we have enough that we can fill the gap until we can right the ship. But our our priorities as a society have really really shifted. Yeah. And like I mean I hate to cite Joe Rogan again because that'll probably get us banned. <laughs>
2: Done, but I already heard the gavel drop.
0: Yeah. So, but anyway, he was talking to, with one of his guests about TikTok mm-hmm. and the difference between TikTok in America and TikTok yes. in China.
1: Yeah, two totally different platforms. It's totally,
0: yeah. yeah. In China, it's all about positivity and do your work and studies and all of the, like all of that stuff. Yeah. That's the only thing you see on TikTok in in China. Yeah. Whereas here, it's all of this crazy dance stuff and yeah you know mental health you know although that's it's it's
1: a dumpster fire here yeah and and that's deliberate because they know that that undermines Mm -hmm. the children and and i really think it is being done deliberately uh like the the chinese communist party is said Mm -hmm. hey this is a good strategy yeah we don't want to have to go toe-to-toe with them but we can we can basically mess up the mental health of all their children Mm -hmm. um that I, I don't think that's an accident, and so, and I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of guy at all, but I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think that that is just a tactic that yeah. was used against us, and we walked right into it, yeah. and you know, handed our devices to our little children and, and let them have full access, and that that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, but that's part of this whole discussion about first responder, you know, parenting and relationships is that guess what? We've made some mistakes. And so whether it's the Chinese Communist Party or whether it was just, you know, the relationship with the mom didn't work out and now we live in two different homes, those are mistakes we can work through. We, we, can, we can navigate those tensions. We can navigate those, those disadvantages. And we can find a solution that works and results in everybody being pretty healthy for the most part. It's not going to be perfect, but you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It, it, it's, it's okay that it's not perfect. And it's wise for parents, including first responder parents, to learn how to apologize to your kids. And you're not taking away your authority from, you're not, you're not saying that, that you don't shouldn't listen to me anymore, but you should be able to communicate, hey, I made a mistake and you're going to make mistakes someday, but we're in a family and we're going to work through this together. And so having some, some humility about our situation and admitting, hey, it's not right, but you know, today is always the best day to start doing the right thing it's always their best day and so let's do it today today we're going to start doing the right thing and maybe you'll get a kid that'll object and be like oh but we never used to have to wash the dishes immediately after the meal or or whatever whatever right you know (laughs) but but you can start today doing the right thing and instilling some some discipline and some morality and some standards and frankly that's again if we're speaking primarily to men um that's that's kind of the role of a father is to say, "Here are the boundaries. these boundaries identify who we are it's our it 's our identity Th- this is what we are as a family. We as a family don't go over here we don 't do this thing we don 't allow that. We have boundaries and it's dad who sets those boundaries." mom does lots of other good wonderful things but she doesn't set boundaries a lot of moms set boundaries and I mean how many times every cop every cop that's ever <laughs> been a cop has has arrested somebody and the mom comes out of the house and says oh but my baby he never does anything wrong mm-hmm. uh yeah he does yeah he does do something wrong my, and my,
2: my wife was terrible at it the line yeah.
1: always got moved yeah oh <laughs> she, yeah
2: she's, yeah and she'll tell you she's a pushover it, and, and, but she, you know, and I, and I get why she's doing it. There are good that.
1: traits in moms. Yeah. Oh, she. That, but she's that, wonderful. That that have I'm, unintended consequences of being yeah. of being overly so now submissive. I gotta
2: I have to come in yeah. I got to drop the hammer and I'm the bad guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's what a dad can do. A dad can be the heavy. He can be the the boundary definer. And and that I I encourage men like at church I encourage men to think in those terms. You are going to define the boundaries. You are going to set the perimeter. You, now that doesn't mean that child's ever always going to stay within that perimeter. Uh, they you may set the boundary and the child rebels. That's kind of what kids do. But you need to set that boundary because a lot of kids, man, they just want to know that there are boundaries that there are limitations that there are, you know, there 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 is a limit out there. And if they know that, then maybe they'll walk right up to it. Some kids will, some will blow right past it, but they all need to know it's there. Yeah. And it's the lack of defining this is what acceptable behavior is, this is what an acceptable identity is, that is poisoning the well-being of our children.
0: Yeah. Well, discipline equals freedom and having standards set you up for success later and less Of being, no, I am not going to go do this because I know there are consequences to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having a permissive, easy life that has no responsibility is never healthy. It always ends up in unhealthiness. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: All right. Closing thoughts.
1: I do counseling on Tuesdays if you want to come talk. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not much of a talker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean just being a parent's tough to mm-hmm. begin with. Yep. And then you throw in the added stresses of, of this world and social media and like yeah. you know, there there was challenges that we had that my you know, my parents didn't have and now my brother's got a he's almost nine months now.
1: Mm.
2: And we when we talk about it, I don't even we don't even know what challenges are coming no. with him, and let alone when they have more kids. And it's it's scary. Yeah, we'll be yeah. honest.
1: But the principles will always be the same. Uh, the basic, the big item. You know, this is what's important. This is what we stand by. You know, we're going to be honest with one another. We're going to be responsible for ourselves. Um, we're not going to leave a mess for other people to clean up. Those are yeah. big principles that will always apply across all generations. Now, even though the principles are always the same, it's the methods that are going to vary. Yeah. So, so how does this apply in this year with this new thing that's in our kids' lives? That, that That's the puzzle, that you're always trying to, to unlock, that you're always trying to solve, but, but the principles never change. And so some of those old principles that grandma and grandpa taught, man, they're still pretty applicable Mm -hmm. and they will be a hundred years from now. And, and that you can count on. If you feel uneasy, you can, you can always count on, on the principles staying the same how you apply them. That's, that's a new mystery every day. Mm -hmm.
2: He's not wrong. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I think it all starts with do on to others.
1: Yeah. Oh yes. I mean that's yeah. the golden rule. Yeah, yeah. The law of love. You know, uh, you know, treat people right, do yeah. do good for others, and be willing to be a humble servant. That's all those are all manifestations of love. And so, yes, if if I'm going to operate in a way that's loving toward my family, I mean, our family's version of it may be slightly different than your family, but that principle of love Mm -hmm. will produce good fruit.
2: You know, when when I was a kid, I didn't see discipline as being part of that when I got in trouble. Yeah. And then as an adult, you look back on it like, oh, yeah, I earned those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I earned that woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, I, yeah. you know, yeah, I deserve to be grounded for yeah. a week or two yeah. or, or whatever the punishment at yeah. was as you but, got but older. But what
1: is discipline? Discipline was defining the boundaries yeah. and saying, nope, you stepped out of bounds. You're I'm in trouble. And
2: seeing it now, you know, my, my dad didn't want to drop the hammer. My mom didn't want to do that. No. But I forced it. Yeah. And but they loved with, you enough to do it. Yeah. Same thing with yeah. my son. I didn't want to drop that hammer on him. I don't to have to come home from the station and start ripping ass and yeah. you know, getting that scary dad look on your face. And <laughs> <laughs> he's on the couch, and I'm you know, and he, yeah. for what he did, and you know, my wife trying to defend him, and then I'm yelling at her too because yeah, that you guys called down the thunder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now now I have to be that guy to, to stop whatever is going on and teach that lesson, yeah. and then then come back and have that discussion. And be calm about it, and really explain everything. Yeah.
1: But but that's but you yeah. got to put that fear in them
2: first with discipline, and, and and that comes in many many forms.
1: Yeah, if you were not raised with a lot of discipline, and maybe you're not sure of yourself as a dad how to discipline your children. Um, I would think of it in terms of a transaction and I would be very careful to communicate that to my kids. And so, so the kid's done something wrong and mom is like, wait till your father gets home and you have to walk in with that look on your face. Like you're going to shoot them in the face with a bazooka and, and you know, you're all this intimidating fire Mm and you're going to bring down, you know, drop the hammer or whatever. So you do that. So you... You you do the discipline. You you lecture the kid. You you put the kid in timeout. You you know <laughs> demonetize you. <in> a <laughs> you're gonna swat the kid on their little behind. Uh, you're you're gonna do whatever discipline is appropriate for that age of, age of kid and for that individual kid, and you're gonna make that decision and and you're gonna mete out that punishment. So they're gonna lose a privilege, whatever it is. But then you communicate to the kid, okay, that was a transaction. You incurred a debt and now you've just paid that debt. You've been grounded for two weekends. And so now that debt is paid. I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to resent you for this. I'm not going to hold this. It's over. This mm-hmm. is over. You you were wrong. You got punished. I had to do the punishment cuz I'm the dad. And now it's over. And I love you. Let's go play catch. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was. Definitely progressive. Yeah. You know, when
2: I when I started <laughs> in that one instance when I had to put the fear of God in him, that's because that's where we got to. We, yeah. we tried the other ways. Yeah. Like, okay, we, we've done A through Z, so yeah. now we're on double A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, had, you know? I had
1: kids where I had to get big and loud and, and lecture for an hour. I had other kids where I could just look at them, and yeah. they would just fall apart because the child was different. And so yeah. so you have to be able to adjust. You have to be careful not to ever punish when you're angry. And so sometimes you got to put yourself in timeout first mm-hmm. and calm down and then come back with a good punishment. The only people that need to be, be corrected in the moment are like small toddlers. A toddler needs to be corrected right then. They reach for the hot stove. You smack their hand. Well, that's not – why would you ever strike your child? Because they're about to burn their hand off, okay? So, so it has to be immediate. Everybody over like five years old, you can come back an hour later or a day later for like a teenager – Mm-hmm. and say you were wrong here's your punishment and frankly with a teenager that might work better leave them stewing on it for mm-hmm. a day or two you know but don't do it when you're angry
2: don't, I, was, don't I always called my dad punish angry. at work whenever
1: i got in trouble like
2: hey i did i got in trouble at school i did this and this this is the punishment yeah. and then i had that 4 hours I he was coming down yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and that's fine cuz some parents will will bail they'll chicken out because like oh well i was gonna punish my kid for stealing the car last night but you know, it's been six hours, and so I guess I've lost my chance. No, you haven't. No. Nope. No. Nope. You come back a month later. There's no There's statute of no limitations no. on yeah. that. Yes. No. <laughs> no I'm still getting in trouble.
2: There's no no doubt about it. I was
1: getting in trouble. Yeah. yeah. It was just how bad was, I, was it going to be? Yeah. Don't check it <laughs> out. Don't be angry. And treat it like a transaction. Let them know that if they incur a debt, they are the ones who must pay the debt. But once yeah. the debt's paid, the bank isn't angry at you anymore. I'm not angry at you. It's okay. Yeah. Let's go play catch. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want th- to I want to thank you guys for being the guest on the last Washdown podcast ever. I, I, <laughs> I, am, I am really honored to have this, you know, to be here you know, th- at he, the if end. If he takes
2: over, yeah. we might be able to fire somebody. <laughs> it's true.
0: You guys can move this to his studio. Right. <laughs>
1: See, I don't do this on my show. I, I I barely talk on my own show. My show, I interview a guest, I ask them questions, and I have almost zero commentary. I I, I just yeah. don't talk much. So this is kind of a I'm able to break out and say whatever I want where it doesn't matter. You can yeah. Yeah, show you
0: I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. <laughs> no, I did, You know that's why we keep it the way we do on this show. You know. Kitchen table, round table, everybody, you know, and sometimes we'll have a guest come on and they dominate the conversation because that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And what they're talking about is super valid and they're talking about a program or whatever where they just have good stuff to say. And that just, I mean, that's great for us because we get to sit here and listen and (laughs) learn new things and people can't figure out how dumb we really are. So...
1: (laughs) You just it's, look insightful. Yeah, and, and, it's yeah, that contemplative.
0: I've I've perfected that look of, yeah. oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. but really, I'm
2: just, Yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes my mind just goes blank. I stare at the a nail over there and <laughs> <laughs> there, There's not a thought in there. <laughs> like, did I remember to breathe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, My God!
0: Oh. But to ease your fears, we we we're not going to get canceled totally. Like okay, I said, all right. there, there's always Spotify and Apple and Amazon and all those we'll, other we'll places. We'll find you on
1: Rumble or something. Yeah,
2: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- I think people got to care about you to be canceled, right? <laughs> well, not really.
0: YouTube can just decide your channel is no more. <sighs> so it's garbage. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it that is what it is. I mean, we don't need to get into all that.
2: But Man, YouTube used to be cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's uh you know they're they're doing their thing so yeah. it's fine we have other avenues to to get the word out so yeah is what it is so anyway everybody thanks for stopping by Jared, thanks for coming on the show sure really appreciate it um and yeah like we always say if you are struggling reach out there are resources out there if you know somebody that's struggling reach out let them know you care uh let them know what resources are available uh in your area and uh, we'll see you next time probably on Spotify. <laughs>